You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. There's 492 yards passing. And now he finds more, and he's up over 500, and then some. David Blau now has the first Purdue passing game of over 500 yards since 2007. A reverse. Sparks to throw to Blau. Blau hangs off for the touchdown. All right, welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. My thanks to the Big Ten Network, ESPN, and Purdue Athletics for that audio off the top of the show. Well, this is episode 50, a special landmark episode for the podcast. Hard to believe we are 50 episodes in already. And before we jump into that, there are a few people I'd like to quickly thank. First of all, Matt Wagner, my former news director, who had given me his blessing and the green light to start this podcast 11 months ago. Matt Oates, Tim Doty, and others up at Purdue who have helped land me guests and given me topics and encouragement along the way. And speaking of guests, I want to thank all my guests that I've had over the past 11 months. Uh, Countless. Too many to name here, but I'm so thankful for all the guests that have helped make this podcast a success. And it all started with the Trent family, Tony and Kelly Trent, the parents of Tyler Trent, um, who are my guests as a part of my launch, the three-part episode that started this podcast uh, last year. So thankful to the Trent family and their support. And of course, Tyler. Tyler was part of my inspiration for starting this podcast. You know, I love sports and I love Purdue and seeing his passion for both, uh, for the university, for Purdue sports and and broadcasting, uh, just inspired me to want to share Purdue stories with you. So I'm uh, just a huge debt of gratitude to uh, Tyler and his inspiration and uh, getting to know him over the last few months of his life. So a uh, huge thanks to Tyler. And of course, last but not least, you guys, the listeners, thank you for taking the time each week to listen to these episodes as we share stories on education, happenings, and current and former athletes at Purdue. It's been an honor and privilege to share these stories with you guys. And without further ado, it is my honor and privilege to welcome into the podcast former Purdue quarterback and current Detroit Lion, David Blau. All right, well, welcome to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. David, how you doing? I'm great. Adam, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's an honor to be on here for what I hear is a kind of a, a landmark podcast for you. Yeah, episode 50, man. I'm so grateful to, to have you on on this landmark episode. It, you know, And I think it's super fitting that it's you that's uh, on this one because you know, this podcast started a little less than a year ago with uh, the Trent family, and I know you're very close with them. And so yeah. even back then, I was saying, I got to get David Blau on someday. I got to get David Blau on. So it's fitting that you are episode, uh, your number, you're number 50. So thank you so much for your time, man. Of course, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, the Trent family means so much to me and Tony and, and you reaching out. I would love to, to do this. And I'm honored to be able to be on here with you. Awesome. Well, let's talk about the Let's start with the current state of things here in our nation. How are you and your wife, Melissa, holding up right now? We're, we're doing great. Uh, we're down in Dallas. Um, so after the season ended in Detroit, we came down to Dallas, and our families are here. And um, her family's right down the road, 15 minutes away. Mine's about 20 minutes away. And so we wanted to be close to our families, kind of 
and in, in some warm weather also in, in the off season. And, um, she, she was training for the Olympics and her training group is here. So, um, we wanted to be here. We're doing good though. Um, cannot complain, man. There's so much craziness going on in this world and we, uh, we're so blessed. We just, um, have, have been reminded of that perspective a lot in the last few months. Yeah. And you mentioned your, your wife training for the Olympics. How's that gone? And I know there's kind of a, a snag in that now, kind of with the delay of the year. How's she handling that? Uh, she's doing great, man. Um, she, you know, I asked her cause I thought, uh, of course this would be really tough on her. Uh, you train your whole life for, you know, an Olympic games and it's got to time up perfectly. And, um, and she sits there and thinks about it for a second and she says, you know, how can I complain? You know, I get to run. Um, and how can I complain about when people in New York city are, are struggling to, to even leave their apartments and, yeah. um, you know, find food and things like that. And there's people who are dying of, of what's shut down our world right now. And, um, so just her perspective in it has been absolutely incredible. And, um, yeah, but, but the goal is still to run in Tokyo and that, and that'll happen kind of, uh, next August, you know, they just bumped it back a year or so. Right. Um, she's going to keep training and, and hopefully, you know, this, this time next year, she'll be getting ready for that. Awesome. And how's it affecting your training? I know it's the off season here and, you know, you got to stay in shape and throw footballs and things like that. How does that work for you? Uh, for you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been tougher. That's for sure. Um, now there have been a couple receivers in Dallas where I can, you know, I can go and meet with one or two guys uh, at a park or something and we just throw the ball around and, um, it's not the, the conditions that you would like to be in. Um, and I know that's not essential, but, uh, like we, um, it's like we go out to a park and are, are kind of trying to throw routes and it just looks a lot different than what it would normally look like. And a lot of at home workouts running, um, trying to keep up with my wife has been a big, <laughs> big thing on the, on the running front. Um, and the Lions have been great about sending us workout plans that we can complete at home with what we have and, um, you know, so that's kind of a, another, uh, a blessing in it. They, they've reached out and made sure we've had whatever we needed. And so, um, yeah, that's awesome. And speaking of the lines coming off the uh, rookie campaign, how do you feel your rookie year went? Uh, it was crazy to say the least. Um, you know, I, I was sitting here thinking about it. If this was me in the situation last year, it would have looked, you know, it would look completely different. Um, and so I, I got to be an undrafted free agent to Cleveland and had great experiences there and learned a lot about playing the quarterback position from the guys in that room. And that was awesome. Um, and then, yeah, I was traded on the day cuts were made to Detroit. <laughs> um, kind of on that Friday, the Saturdays when the cuts were made. And uh, I knew that that could be a possibility. Cleveland did a good job keeping me informed of things like that. And, and so course in like it's kind of felt like my whole career whether it's high school or at Purdue or now I guess with the Lions uh, somehow I ended up on the field yeah. um, in a situation where you know they weren't really expecting me to play they wanted me to develop and um, you know I still got to go out there and, and live out a dream as you know this is this is every kid's dream I'm getting to make a start on Thanksgiving and just play uh play in the NFL. Um, obviously there were things that I need to work on and improve and get better at. Um, but I had the time of my life, uh, just getting to start those five games and now, you know, looking forward to improving and getting better on uh, year two. Yeah. Talk about that. 
Thanksgiving Day. I mean, of all days to get your first start on national TV, the line, you know, always playing on Thanksgiving for that to be your first start. Talk about that day. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, growing up as a kid in Dallas, uh, you watch the Cowboys on Thanksgiving and it football is what you do on Thanksgiving. You watch the Cowboys, you watch the Lions, the two teams that always play. Um, and that's what you did. And, and it was family and uh, football and food. And, um, you know, I, I was sitting there and it was just kind of surreal to see, you know, Troy Aikman's there and he's calling the game. And that was, you know, who I looked up to as a kid. And um, yeah, I didn't really get any practices leading into the game. You just have walkthroughs because it's a really short week. Yeah. And um, I just felt confident and I, I was at peace with myself knowing that I had prepared as hard as I could prepare. Uh, and I knew if I threw, you know, five touchdowns or five interceptions, um, I, I was going to be as prepared as I could be. And, and I had worked as hard as I could all season long to be ready for that situation. And um, it was a lot of fun and, and seeing some success, it's kind of validating when you go out there and you have some success and you're like, man, I can do this. Uh, and that, that belief um, is a big, big part of confidence and things like that playing the quarterback position. So I, that was um, a highlight of my football career for sure. It would have been probably the highlight if, if we'd have won that one, sitting right there with the Ohio State and, and Tyler's night. Eating, eating some of that uh, turkey leg there. <laughs> yeah, that would, have been, that would have been really cool. Well, man, David, I, I, I remember it so vividly because I was at my you know, aunt's house. We were eating some food before I had to go into work that day. And, uh, and when you came in, and my brother's a big Bears fan, so, you know, we're – I'm like, I don't care. I'm and we're from Northwest Indiana. And, right. and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm rooting for David. I don't care. And, <laughs> and, and man, your first completion, that 75 yard touchdown pass. And I'm flipping out, screaming in the house and texting Tony and Kelly and like, Oh my gosh. And we're just like freaking out, texting each other. It was just such a cool moment. Is you're throwing that pass and watching the air. What's going through your mind? <laughs> um, when I saw it, I mean, when I saw how open he was, um, <laughs> It's one of those things like, don't miss this one. You know, like, I think I bounced the one before. I don't know if I was a little tight or um, whatever. Um, I see him wide open. He has runs a great route, double move. I'm like, oh, you can't miss this one. <laughs> and and we knew kind of in, in a film study, obviously we didn't expect that to be the first completion. It's a third down, third and 10. But we had seen in a film study that uh, we might have that opportunity um, to get that route. And, uh, sure enough, it worked out just, just how you draw up. Um, but I feel like the ball, you know, it's just, it's like, wow. You know, like it's kind of one of those moments you get chills and, and you feel it. And then, you know, you're the quarterback of the team. You got to come off and your team's excited and, and you, you just, you go back to work and it's the next play. And, I think that's something not many people realize about quarterback is you can't you can't dwell on the last play whether you throw a touchdown or an interception you got to it's got to be all about the next play that's the most important one um, so but you know going back and watching it <laughs> pretty special yeah did it feel like the ball was hanging out there in the air forever <laughs> <laughs> yeah I felt like I'm just waiting for it to come down hoping he didn't he didn't trip on his way into the end zone and uh, you know luckily one of my teammates I had great teammates who had my back that whole time I was starting and um, Logan Thomas. So one of our tight ends uh, went and got that football for me and kept it. So we, we got it. 
here in the house. So that's really cool. Out of that. And talk about uh, some goals as you head into next season. Yeah, I think for me, um, now that I have a little bit of experience, you can find some improvement somewhere. Like um, the things that I didn't work on, I have an action plan in place with my quarterback coach in Detroit about things that I need to work on to, to take the next step to, yeah, maybe it's this year it looks like solidifying as a backup um, for the Lions and, um, you know, being what Matthew needs me to be in the quarterback room along with Chase, who, you know, who just came from the Bears. And, um, so we can support him and have uh, a great quarterback room. And, uh, and then in the future, you know, if you get another opportunity, whatever it is down the road, you go out and you prove that uh, you belong and you can play. And, and I think I can show that improvement that I've been working on hard this offseason and I will for as long as my career uh, takes me in the NFL. Yeah. Um, well, I should mention, uh, looking at the Lions depth chart on their official website, and I don't know if you've looked at it lately, David, but if you go to lions.com and look at their depth chart, you are listed as the starting quarterback and, in fact, the only quarterback on the roster. So I don't know how Matt would feel about that. But. Yeah, I don't know. Matthew, Matthew would probably send me a text and be like, hey, I don't think what's going on. No, I'm kidding. He, they've been – all the – I think uh, one of the coolest things that I didn't have really an expectation for before I came into the NFL was um, how incredible the guys are whether it was a quarterback room in Cleveland where I was with Baker and Drew Stanton and Garrett Gilbert. And they, you know, they, they gave me a lot of crap, but they were all about my development. You know, it was my rookie duties, but they, they were all about my development and all about me succeeding and um, were happy for me and wanted me to be the best I could be. And then, I mean, Matthew and Jeff Driscoll in Detroit were absolutely phenomenal to me. And I think, you know, sometimes football players get bad reps, but those guys were, uh, absolutely phenomenal people. Yeah. Well, this is a podcast about Purdue, so let's let's talk about yeah, Purdue. Uh, uh, 2014, or you know, you're getting ready to head into Purdue. How how did you get to Purdue? How does a kid from Texas end up in West Lafayette? <laughs> um, man, I I'm only six foot tall, so I I knew I was going to have a kind of a tough road in recruiting. But I took my junior film. Um, I took my junior film from 2012, I think, the fall of 2012. Yeah, and I sent it all out in the spring of 2012 to every single coach I could find across. From I started on the West Coast and I went all the way across and I, I got like 15 responses, but only two of them were like serious inquiries at the time. And it was John Shoup who uh, recruited me and actually, it was the other one was Indiana for some reason. <laughs> um, and Indiana never ended up coming down, thank the Lord. Um, <laughs> and John Shoup came down and saw me and recruited me to uh, Purdue. And, and I had some great workouts and through the Elite 11, different things that he got to see me at, he offered me. And I saw the quarterbacks that Purdue had. You know, I saw Greasy and Dawson and Phipps and Campbell and Orton and Painter and Breeze. And I'm like, okay. I want to be the next Drew Brees. Yeah. And so that was ultimately the, the decision was the tradition um, at the quarterback position. I was like, you know, if Drew went up there as six foot tall quarterback from Texas and made it work, I can too. And yeah. so um, that's what ultimately that's, that's how I landed there. You started your career with Daryl Hazel, finished with Braun. Talk about the challenges of as you're developing and trying to, you know, get Purdue back to a good program. 
the challenges for playing for two different coaches? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we struggled a lot those first few years that I was there and it was really tough on me uh, mentally and, and like emotionally. It's really hard when you, you train as hard as we did and, and didn't have the success. Um, and, you know, you just, like I said, kind of you, you doubt it a little bit, you question it. Um, and uh, Coach Hazel was great to me. That's, you know, he was a big part of the reason I was at Purdue. And um, for some reason, we just we just couldn't piece it all together. And we uh, and that was frustrating. And then when Coach Brom comes in, uh, I think the guys bought in and believed in this, the system that he brought with them. And um, it was a lot of fun to play in a, you know, the, the high flying offense and, you know, throw the ball a ton. And, um, you know, he, he did a great job teaching us um, the ins and outs of the game and, and ultimately how to win. And, you know, while we didn't win all the close games that we could have, we, we believed in ourselves and we knew that we could be there in the fourth. And I think we won maybe more than we should at the time with, with what we had. And, um, it's because the guys worked incredibly hard and, and they believed in us. And I think the guys really bought in to what Coach Brown was uh, asking from us. And yeah. I think ultimately that's, that's where that, that belief comes from. Yeah. You talked about the quarterback room in Detroit. You had a very unique, I think, quarterback room at Purdue and a unique situation where you and Elijah are battling back and forth for the starting position. Obviously, you want to win that position. Obviously, he does. But you guys also had a really unique relationship, too, where you guys were so supportive of each other. And that was really cool to see at Big Ten Media Days and uh, the Big Ten The Journey a piece I've seen. Just how right. supportive you guys were of each other. Talk about your guys' relationship. Yeah, I think <laughs> um, that was one of the more incredible things that I was a part of at Purdue. And I think nowadays when you look at college football, if that were to happen, somebody would transfer. Yeah. Uh, but um, – you know, I want to brag on Elijah and that's, I know this is how I felt myself, but I feel like first and foremost, it was about Purdue and our teammates. Um, and we knew that both of us could play. Um, and while, yeah, of course I wanted to be the guy and I know he wanted to be the guy. Uh, we wanted our team to be in good hands. We were never going to divide, um, our locker room. I had seen that happen before. Um, and, and that's no fun to be a part of for anybody. And so just, we have a lot of similar values. We believe a lot of the same things. And, um, you know, I, I loved him as a, as a brother first and foremost, and, and I wanted to see him successful if it couldn't be me. And so, um, it was uncommon. That's for sure. I think that's the best, the best way I would, um, phrase it, but you know, it, I think, I was there five years and I lost four out of the five starting quarterback battles is what I, is what I tell him. The only one I won was my sophomore year in 2016. Um, and he started in 2017 and 2018 and just so happened when we flipped back and forth, um, injuries allowed him to play at the end of the year and have so much success. And then it allowed me to have, play in 2018 and have success. And, uh, it just, it was uncommon. Yeah. Uh, it was, again, such a unique situation, too, when you, you, you know, who sends two quarterbacks to a Big Ten media day, you know, uh -huh. but uh, I loved it because it gave you guys both that platform to share your faith, too, and I, lo I loved when you guys were up there talking to, I think, Dave Revson, and he's, you know, you're saying, well, we, we support each other, and our identity is not in being a Purdue quarterback, but your identity is in Christ, and just getting to see you guys share that 
that, that commonality, that, that bond and that, um, that platform to share that. That was really cool. Amen. And, and it speaks, and I just want to commend you too, it speaks to your character. You mentioned it's so true that you know, a lot of guys in your situation would take the easy route out and transfer and go play somewhere else. And I, I remember when you were going through that and wondering who was going to win the starting spot. And it, when you, I can't remember if you announced it or you just, it was known that you weren't leaving Purdue. I, I just thought that was really cool. So I want to commend you for that. It speaks so much of your character. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. <clears throat> well, let's talk about some of your, uh, your favorite memories at Purdue. I, I know I could probably name two right off the bat, but you know, we'll, we can definitely get into those in you know, October 20th. And of course, uh, Tyler, which we'll talk in depth here in a minute about some of your other memories that you, you just have from Purdue. Um, I think my, other than, you know, those, like you said, those two football memories right there, um, the trips that I got to go on to South Africa, you know, I, yeah, it would jump to people's minds right away. But um, for me, that was the best part, probably, uh, other than being able to share Tyler's story uh, my senior year. But all throughout the course, the, the one constant was, you know, Bethesda Ministry International in South Africa uh, that we got to go through through FCA and Marty Detmar, the chaplain, took all the athletes uh, on. And so we would go spring break and in May and just get to serve and love on these kids. And they loved us because, um, you know, we came to see them and that was all, and that's all they cared about is we came and served and, um, hung out with them and spent our spring break or spent some time in May. And, um, that is where I gained like easily the most perspective in my life, um, football wise, um, centered around Jesus, just so many different, Kids who loved on me was so much less than what I had, and uh, because I was just there, and yeah. and then yeah, now I I can't wait to go back. Hopefully, Melissa and I get to go back uh, at some point whenever she's done training, and I'm hopefully hopefully sooner than that. But yeah. with our seasons going opposite right now, we we're not really able to to go and see him. But hopefully, we get to go back. Um, so that's probably my my fondest memory of my time at Purdue. How many trips do you take over there? I got to go seven times. Um, and Marty, Marty makes it so fun with, you know, you get to travel the world and see the world. And as a college kid, it's a lot of fun. And then, you know, we had a lot of fun things to do there. And then staying at the orphanage is the highlight of the whole trip. And for the six or seven or eight days that you're there. Yeah. I can imagine too, just seeing growth in those kids as you go back each time and, it's like they start as, you know, you, you, first time I was there, there were probably some of them who were seven or eight years old and they're scared of you. And then by the time you come back and they're 12 years old, they want to race you in the, on the soccer field. And um, it's just cool to see the maturity and the growth and, you know, the missionaries who are there, you make friends with. And those are some of, there's people in West Lafayette who have come back from Bethesda who served there the five years I was there, who are some of my closest friends and that we can, we get to talk to frequently now. That's awesome. Well, we, we touched on it. So let's talk about it. Um, October 20th, 2018, 49 to 20. Talk about that night. Man. Um, I'll start by saying, uh, you know, we do walkthroughs in the morning of the game and stuff like that. And, and I remember coming back in, and the game day piece had just aired. We didn't see any of it. We were at the walkthrough. Okay. Um, 
but it came out and we're looking on Twitter and I get a FaceTime from Eric Swingler, who's our, you know, going to play left tackle in the game. And, um, and he's, I, he's got red eyes and like, I can tell he's been emotional. And he said, have you watched it yet? And I'm, I'm, the streams are coming down my face, you know? And, and I sat there and I was like, man, let's go do this. Like, and I, I told that to him. I was like, let's go do this. Like we can, we can, I knew we could, I knew we had the guys to do it. Um, but when we took the field, I'm getting chills even thinking about it right now. When we took the field, it was a different energy. Everybody knew Tyler was there and everybody knew what, like, what the goal was, what the mission was. And, um, we didn't want to let him down. You know, if this was what he wanted, we weren't, we weren't going to let him down. And, um, man, uh, <laughs> like I honestly feel like I didn't play my best football. Um, and I know it was good enough and, um, uh, luckily we didn't have turnovers, but we could have done anything that night. And I think yeah. we would have won, you know, like, uh, anything was where everything was working. DJ played great. And, yeah. Obviously, Rondale, Rondale was, um, you know, the legend was born. and Yeah. And then I sit there and think about it when, um, you know, your defense holds Ohio State to 20 points and they threw the ball 73 times. That <laughs> they did something right on that side of the ball, and Nick Holt should get a lot of credit for that. Um, and so, you know, I'm proud to be a part of it. It's my my favorite moment ever playing the game of football, and, and Tyler was the main reason for that i love it I, I love just yeah the whole atmosphere of everything about it and just that whole night which just seems so special and i know like tony and kelly said it just everything went their way and it's like i think tony used the word magical this felt magical and, and uh and then the video uh and i'll put it on the web too i'll put it over this right here but that video of you going and hugging tyler i think in the press room after the game just such a yeah. cool moment to see that and then he got to come in the locker room and you know, Brahm and him got to speak is like, I wasn't even there and I get chills of thinking about it. Just what a special night that was. And, you know, like people, you can say whatever you want, but that was the story of the Tyler was the story of the, of the 2019 college football season or the 2018, sorry. Yeah. 2018 college football season. And wherever I went, when somebody saw <laughs> Purdue, um, they would not recognize me for anything, whether the shrine, like the, the all-star game or listen, Tyler, like they, they would always say they'd see Purdue and they'd say Tyler, Tyler, Tyler. And he was the story. And, um, that was what made it special was it was all about him and it gave him a platform to share his faith and show, um, Jesus's light through uh, the midst of, uh, one of you know the the painful bone cancer he was going through and i think i've heard tony use the word they got a glimpse of heaven mm, yeah and, yeah you know and so um when i think about that it makes me emotional yeah well take me back to the first time you met tyler and how you heard about his story and got to, got to meet him yeah so the first time i met him was he was a team captain for our game against nebraska um in 2017, I believe it was our hammer down cancer game. We wore the green socks, you know, um, and he was one of our team captains. Um, but I, I just met him there and we didn't really strike up a relationship. It was more so, um, super like Tyler, the fan and David, the quarterback, like we were, we were just friends in that way. And then, um, after that, 
Kelly and my mom, who is also my mom's a cancer survivor, got connected um, and talked about meeting for the 5K, the Purdue Center for Cancer Research 5K that April. Uh, my mom wasn't able to make it, but I, I was there and got to spend a lot of time with Tyler and his family. And that was really kind of where the relationship began in April before uh, the season in 2018. And then uh, text transfers, things like that, and led up to us going to taking the ball to him for the game ball at Nebraska. And then, uh, you know, obviously the story just took off from there and our relationship kind of flourished and you know I think that connection with my mom and um, what how it affected our family um, just pulled at my heartstrings a little bit and I wanted to give him everything I could to just um, you know keep providing a little bit of hope because I know how those times can get. Yeah yeah I, I know you talked about obviously that that game stands out and you also got to go down to I think it was Florida for the ESPN college football wars I know you mentioned at his funeral that at that time it was best 48 hours of your life talk about that weekend yeah it was uh so uh it was at the college football hall of fame in atlanta um but we uh yeah i just got to spend pretty much 48 uninterrupted hours with tony kelly blake ethan and tyler um and hear about the more than just the surface level, things that you read in his book that, you know, you cry about, you get to hear from Tony talking about it uh, two feet from you on a, on an airplane. And um, that was where just the depth of the relationships were formed. And I was, uh, I don't know what I was expecting when I first got to the uh, airport with them, but I, I knew um, that I was going to try to serve as best I could. And it became a reality when we were there and, and they said, hey, we got to, Tony's like, hey, David, you got to help me carry Tyler, Tyler onto the plane. And like just the reality be, became real. And, and I realized what they were going through every day and what Tyler was dealing with. And it just hit closer to home uh, than it ever had before. And um, yeah, and I would still say those are best 48 hours, consecutive 48 hour stretch of my life. Yeah. What, a, what an experience. And then you know, unfortunately, January 1, uh, 2019, we, we lost Tyler. And uh, a week later, you got the uh, opportunity to speak at his funeral. How significant was that for you and important for you to, to be able to do that? Um, I was honored, uh, first and foremost. And I just wanted to do it as a friend, not as a, you know, not as a um, football player or anything. Uh, I just wanted to share the love that he had shown me and share um, like I know he would have wanted to that, um, and he threw it all, even in the hard times that he was going to rejoice, yeah. uh, he was going to pray and that he was going to give thanks. And I sat there and, uh, I just wanted to express that. And, you know, as you know, those services are hard because yeah, we want to say it's a celebration, but there's grief and mourning and there still is to the day. And, um, you know, I think about Tony and Kelly so often and try to keep up with them. And, um, you know, I just I just wanted to pour my heart out for him a little bit and like he would have done for anybody else. It's just who he was. We talked about this when I had Tony and Kelly on. Just the significance of um, the whole football team coming down. And I, I shared with Tony and Kelly just being there and seeing that moment when, what, three buses show up at 
a, a church I attend as well. And yeah. seeing a, the whole football team come out and they come into the sanctuary was just one of the coolest things I've seen. Talk about the significance of, and why it was important for the whole team to come to. Uh, yeah, I think I joked about it um, when I was up there, but he was our captain, man. <laughs> like like I, I, I'll say that. Uh, for as long as I live, uh, he um, had earned that as much as anybody. And so he, uh, when something like that happens to a team, that's what the football camaraderie, that's what the brotherhood does is you go and support their family, you go and support um, him. And, and that's what I think our guys wanted to express and, you know, give credit to Coach Brom and Sean Pugh. And, um, there's a lot of different people who made that happen. And, um, it was really special for me to see all my teammates there. That's awesome. Hey, you're amazing at giving speeches. You gave a great one at Tyler's funeral. One of my other favorite speeches I've ever seen was you as well at Big Ten Media Days in 2017 at the luncheon. Yeah. Talk about that privilege and responsibility to get to share. I know you talked on life lessons in your faith, the, the privilege and, and the responsibility to get to, to do that speech as well. I'm getting chills. That's another moment. You know, I get chills reflecting on it. And um, I had a lot of people help me kind of come up with what I wanted to share. Um, and actually the idea stemmed from, um, a class I was in a summer school class where they said, Hey, how about you like go back and look at your, your heritage and where your family comes from and things like that. And, uh, I was thinking about Melissa and, uh, just how our worlds were different. Our cultures were different. And I wanted to express how, you know, that's what makes up the United States. And, um, and so I knew, you know, I went back and watched these speeches. I had seen Kirk Cousins and I had seen, and, and I wanted mine to be good. If I was going to do something, I wanted it to, to be well done and prepared. And um, I just wanted to share what I had experienced and what I hope other college football players uh, saw that they could experience in their time. And um, yeah, that was, that was a, a really fun moment. Um, yeah. Uh, it's hard for me to even kind of go back and and kind of put myself in that position, but it was uh, I was really nervous. <laughs> uh, I knew I I had a good speech and I wanted it to be well done, and I think just practiced it so many times that it became memorized. You know, there was no teleprompter or anything; it just uh, became memorized, and um, yeah, it went about as well it could, as it could, and was rece received well. And mm -hmm. um, that was an answered prayer. That's awesome. Awesome. And you, we've talked a lot about your faith and the mission trips. Talk about the role that faith does play in your life, your marriage, your career. Yeah, it comes first, right? Like that's, uh, that is what I would explain it to anybody. It comes first. Um, and how I'm going to act uh, to my wife first at home, my first ministry, how I'm going to act to my teammates and uh, what I want to show the example I want to show. And, uh, you know, I think every day I strive to, you want to strive to be like Jesus and you fall short, but, um, you know, it starts with, with loving one another and, uh, just as he loved us, right. As it says in John, that's the verse I shared, um, in that big 10 speech is love one another, just as I love you, you must also love one another. And that's what the basis of the gospel's on. And, um, and that comes first with my wife and then it comes first, or then it comes with my teammates and my family and, um, you know, that's the example I, I want to try to set every single day. And so if somebody never hears the gospel, they say, what's different about that guy? Um, and I can respond by saying, it's Jesus, man.
uh, you know, it's like, it's like uh, I'm smiling because I know, uh, I know the creator and he knows me. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's what it means to me. And, uh, yeah, I hope that, you know, I, I did that in a worthy manner during my time at Purdue and that uh, I continue to do so. Amen. And I appreciate it. And I, I really uh, respect it and, and look up to you, David, and just that platform God has given you to, to share that. And I'm rooting really hard for you, man. I want Thank to you. On, <laughs> no problem. I want to hit on a few couple other things and I can let you go here. Okay. I know another uh, um, hobby or uh, passion of yours is magic. And I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to put you on the spot here and make you do any uh, – on the podcast here, I, I did find some video on YouTube, so I will put that on our web article here yeah. for our listeners and uh, people watching this uh, so they can see that. Um, when, when did you start doing magic and, and, and why? Um, one of my high school offensive linemen, I think I was a sophomore, junior in high school, he was the magician and I would be his sidekick. Okay. Uh, and I would go and hide cards and do different things, plant cards for him different places. And then I realized um, that I am not, I'm not a sidekick. I'm, I'm the main event. If, I, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to learn how to do this and I'm going to learn these card tricks also. So then uh, simple YouTube searches and I get probably five to 10 that I get pretty good at. And, um, you know, I've Googled a couple more since then and, and gone more in depth with, you can buy different decks and different things like that. And um, yeah, then, kind of, I get more nervous doing that than I do taking a field, but the fear of flipping over the wrong card, um, I sweat, like I, I seriously sweat whenever I'm, I'm doing magic, but I think that's definitely helped with my, my performing ability. Um, <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah, I, I just love it. I love the, the, the awe factor that makes your jaw drop, whether you're eight years old or 80 years old. Um, every, whenever a good trick happens that, you know, the, the shock in people's face. That's why I like to do it. That's awesome. I, I also want to bring that up. My, my son Mason, he just turned 10. He's kind of getting into it. He got a magic set for his birthday a year or two ago and he's been starting to play with it a little more. And he's actually done some, some tricks that are pretty cool. So um, awesome. Yeah. So he's really enjoying that. Uh, I know magicians never supposed to reveal this, the secrets, but I might have, to have you uh, show him a few sometime down the road. I will. And I've, I've been practicing my comedy magic too, so nice. I'll teach some jokes that he can use. That's but I'm awesome. not very funny. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I um, want to hit up on a couple of things. We kind of uh, jump backwards a little bit as we kind of are wrapping up here. Um, we were talking about Purdue football and then jumped into Tyler. I want to jump back to Purdue football for just a minute. Talk about, you know, you know it's such a bummer for, you know, Elijah to go down this year and not get to really finish out his senior year and then made the decision to, go ahead and graduate and move on instead of trying to come back for a, a sixth year. Um, just kind of talk about that. And then also just kind of looking at the future of, of the program. Yeah, I think, you know, Elijah had a lot of injuries that he played through and um, I know the Brahms would support him and whatever he wanted to do. And um, Yeah. He's so smart. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met. But, um, I think maybe a concussion scared him a little bit because uh, he needs his brain and yeah. um, you know, that, he's going to go and uh, be incredible at whatever he does. And so I know he decided to get working at the car plant. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, I think optimism should be high. I hope, you know, there's nothing that 
messes with the, you know, kind of the funkiness of the, the season. Hopefully they don't have to move anything around too much this spring. And, or I really hope that doesn't happen just for Purdue's sake. But um, I think they're in great hands. I think, you know, hopefully, um, obviously last year, not being able to stay healthy kind of at the main position, the quarterback and with Rondell and Marcus and Lorenzo, everybody, um, kind of going down, it just felt like um, they were kind of battered going out there. And uh, I know with a healthy <laughs> wide receiver core and um, the weapons they have, they should be poised to make a good run at the Big Ten West. And um, I think they have two of the top 15 receivers in the in the nation. And, um, you know, hopefully it, it all works out where they get to play this year and Boilermakers get back out there and see – kind of what they're used to with the prolific offense. Yeah, I mean, it was such a weird situation. To see. I don't know if I've ever seen a situation where you had pretty much all your captains injured, injured. with Marcus and Elijah and, and um, no one blank on somebody else there. And then obviously Rondale, just uh, so many people that missed their senior year or, uh, you know, or L and Lorenzo is the other one I was trying to think of. Thankfully, Lorenzo is coming back next year and will help anchor that defense. Um, yeah. And the one thing I kept trying to keep people – optimistic or hopeful was you know this year was a uh, you know took a step back but think about all the freshmen that got to play last year and how significant that will be moving forward pays dividends um you know it pays so much so much i think uh i think about our team my senior year even though you know we only went six and seven but winning the six games and the big games that we won there were a lot of us kirk Barron, myself dj Markel, uh, Cole Herdman, a bunch of different guys who played as young guys. Markel didn't come in with us, but we were all playing as young guys. Um, and it paid off, I think, that year. And, you know, just wait. Just wait till these guys are juniors and seniors. Even this year could be special. Uh, I think a lot of it will depend on Aiden and Jack, and those guys will, will step up to the challenge whoever Coach Brom uh, puts out there. Yeah. Well, speaking of – uh, another guy who opted not to come back, Marcus Bailey, your former teammate. The NFL drafts on Thursday night. Are you going to be watching? And, you know, when do you, uh, you know, hope to hear Marcus's name and how exciting that will be to just hear another Purdue, uh, Purdue player named in the draft? Yeah, I'm excited. Um, you know, I don't know when it'll be for him or Bryson. You know, Bryson will yeah. go. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited for both those guys. It's, you know, it changes your life and it's uh, incredible feeling and then it's kind of like when you come out of high school and go into college uh, that's when the work begins and you get to your team and, and now you got to go prove yourself every single day and, and they'll realize things about the business but I'm, I'm just excited for them to uh, get to experience it uh, it's been one of the most crazy and, and fun times of, of my life this past year as well so I can't you know maybe I'll get one of them on Detroit I'm, I've talked to Talk to our GMs about both of them. I don't know what our, our plans <laughs> are, obviously, but um, I hope I hope they both just have successful careers. And uh, yeah, yeah, um, definitely rooting for both of them. Yeah, I'd love to see you be able to throw the ball to Bryson next year. <laughs> uh, and Marcus, Marcus, yeah, he could be uh, getting you the ball back there on the other side of the field. Yeah. And Marcus is so great. I had him on the podcast uh, a month or so ago as he was going uh, around combine time and. How cool was that for you to see your teammate uh, when he was doing the, uh, the pledge drive for Tyler as well? Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's crazy to see the, 
just how many different people that Tyler impacted. Um, and, you know, Marcus was such a huge part of that team. And I know uh, his story and uh, his background a little bit and him just, you know, being affected by it, it just it pulls on my heart uh, for Marcus too. And um, it was really cool to see uh, him use that cause to benefit just Tyler's family and, and the foundation. And, um, yeah, I can't, and I'm sure, you know, I got to do those cleats for the, the, uh, B foundation on Tyler's behalf. And hopefully, you know, maybe t next year when they're playing, they'll get to do something similar and we can all do it together. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, I, I root hard for him to get his name called as well. Talk about that process. And, and are you, I assume watching the draft there from Texas, <laughs> from Dallas tomorrow. And as of, as of this recording, uh, obviously things change a lot. As of this recording, the Lions have, I think, the third pick in the draft. Any yeah. idea where they're going on that? No, I've got no idea. Uh, <laughs> no, I'd be lying to you if I said I did. I'd be, I think anybody would be lying to you if they said anybody had any idea. Probably uh, Joe Burrow going first. But, um, yeah, I, I'll be watching. Um, you know, you never know what will happen. And it's kind of crazy. To, you know, I'm sure there will be trades with the new CBA. There's a bunch of different cap rules and things like that that nobody really thinks about. And, uh, I'll be watching and tuned in and see who the Lions get. And then, you know, I'll be looking forward to seeing where my teammates go. Awesome. Well, David, thank you so much for, uh, for your time and being a part of this special episode. And, man, I'm rooting hard for you. God bless you. And uh, 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 God bless you and your wife. And just uh, moving forward. And hopefully this coronavirus – uh, pandemic ends soon so we can just kind of get back to some normalcy. That's right. Adam, thank you so much for having me. Uh, God bless you. I, I really appreciate it, man. Uh, can't wait to see the response when it comes out. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, boiler up. All right. Boiler up. My thanks again to David for joining the podcast. I really, really enjoyed that interview and I'm so thankful for him and his time. Again, if you're just listening to this, a reminder, you can go over to fox59.com or cbs4indy.com to check out the full interview in video format along with some other links to some great David Blau content. A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod, and you can always listen to, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.